Welcome to the film that blew my mind. I'm John Cooper. And I'm Tabitha Jackson, here with another episode of our podcast, exploring a movie that inspires a creator we love. With her latest project, the HBO series Somebody Somewhere, today's guest shares a rarely seen slice of middle American life with audiences from coast to coast. Described in The New Yorker as a hypersexual alt-cabaret diva comedian, she made her comedic debut opening for Amy Schumer and staged her Comedy Central special, Gynecological Wonder, best title ever, in 2015. She appeared in the films Patty Cakes and Little Evil. And she is the voice of the band Bridget Everett and the Tender Moments. Yes, today we are thrilled to welcome the multi-talented, big-hearted, potty-mouthed Bridget Everett to the film that blew my mind. Welcome, Bridget. Hi. So, hello, hello. It is so lovely to have you here. We are very excited about this conversation. I'll, I'll try not to let you down. Yeah, don't <laughs> no, fuck it won't. up, Bridget. You won't. You can't. <laughs> Thank okay. you for that, um, that very generous introduction. You made me sound like I really have my shit together. I appreciate it. <laughs> you, you do. I love that you brought up my, my Comedy Central special. I was just thinking about that today. My friend was the one that came up with Gynecological Wonder, and I was like, man... That's still the funniest thing I think I've ever heard. It's so good. And if I may use the expression, it rolls off the tongue. Gyne- gynecological wonder. Gynecological yeah. wonder. It's yeah. just so wonder. lovely to say. So what we're here to do, Miss Everett, is for you is to Is that what we call answer... you now that you're a TV star? Do we call yes. you Miss yeah, Everett? Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. you know, anything. Anything but Bridget. You know, Bridget's okay. just too... Too close, too personal. <laughs> oh, you can call me anything you. My mom used to call okay. me uh, bird shit and blowjob and all kinds of things. So just call me whatever, whatever works. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try some of those. But we do have a very important question for you, which yeah. is, what is the film that blew your mind? Drumroll, please. Uh, I picked The Sound of Music. Hey! Yay! Everybody's like, why? Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you have a good story as to why. It is one of the most beloved films of all time with, with oh, totally. Dame Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer. So, but why you? Why you, Bridget Everett? Why are you in this film? Well, I was sort of going back and forth between The Sound of Music and Rudy. <laughs> and I'm not like, I'm not like a a film snob or a film aficionado, but I was trying to think of something that has resonated with me and stayed with me. And, and I still watch it and it makes me cry. And I just, you know, of course it's like a sentimental choice because I used to watch it with my mom when I was little, but there's so many themes in the movie that still resonate today. And it's so beautifully shot and her voice is, it's always been my favorite voice or one of my favorite voices. And I don't know. I think it's like one of those things that when I was a kid, it was something I looked forward to seeing every year and I just cherished it. And I thought, all right, it may seem like a simple choice, but it's, it feels like the right choice for me. And I just watched it a few years ago um, on an airplane during the Trump administration. And I was weeping watching it because there's so many you know, there's, there's similarities in it and, you know, like some of the, you know, the more political stuff. And then today when I was rewatching it, I was crying for a different reason. And I think that that's 
really special how there's just different parts of it that can kind of keep touching you year after year. So do you, is that, do I don't you, know if that's a good answer, but I, I did think my best. It's a, it's <laughs> a wonderful answer. answer. Bridget, do you mind if I ask you what was the reason you cried today? Um, yes, Barbara Walters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to be frank, my mom just died and, you know, we watched it together oh. and, and I've sort of been like wanting to watch it again. Um, so this is a good excuse to do it. And, you know, we have, our family is really tied together by music and she was a music teacher. And a lot of those songs we was, you know, we sing around the piano together and, they're just really happy memories. I have happy memories of watching it. I have happy memories of singing those songs with my mom. And I have such a love of music and the way that this movie cares for music and shares the music is so, I just think it's so lovely. It's so there's a few songs like she starts singing my favorite things. I start to cry because we used to sing them with my mom, you know, Edelweiss mm-hmm. I used to sing, but you know, but it's not, it's not even just sad. It's like, it's the celebration of, music, which it kind of feels like a celebration of all the things I love. My mom, music, and, and more. And movies. Sweet. Oh, wow. Do you That's, remember the first yeah. time you saw it? Do you remember where you were? like? Oh, yeah. Just, you know, in the living room. I mean, it was like the annual thing. We watched that every year okay. and Wizard of Oz every year in the mm-hmm. living room, always with my mom, always on the couch with her. I would sit next to her and then she'd slide her hand out the, down the back of my pants. Like not, not in a fucking way, but you know, just, it was just like the way that she, you know, it's like I had a nice, soft, cool bottom. I think you know, she just, it was just like her way of like holding me when I was little and we watch it. And I just like, it's one of those things. I just was like, I couldn't believe how gorgeous Julie Andrews voice was. Like, I just, you can't, you can't, especially like when you, when she, that's how it starts the movie, right? They're like, yeah. flying in with all this like you know i don't remember quite the lead-in that, that i saw in the, when i watched it again today but but you know it comes in with her just singing and like you're like you immediately fall in love with her i don't know yes right. it's, no that's because the the opening is this incredible shots of Salzburg and and it was like obviously it's 1965 so it's pre-drones but these incredible aerial shots of the mountain and you're just kind of getting well for me I was getting off on the on the just the the beautiful colors and the quality of the print and all that stuff even watching it on a crappy little monitor and you're just getting the scale is vast and then this tiny figure comes over the top and it's Dame Julie, and it's she carries with her such a beautiful energy as well as the beautiful voice, and it's like, whoa, it's real gaspy stuff. You have set up the clip. You have set up the clip so much. Like, can we see it? We've we've already you've already explained it. Yeah, then then I may ask you a question about it. Yeah, Yeah, hit hit the track.
Oh, that's so beautiful. It's beautiful. She's so naturalistic, too. She's so naturalistic, especially for, like, the movie musical. She really is, like, her face, like, every scene, it's, like, it's, she's so open and so natural. And a lot of those movie musicals, I mean, maybe that's, maybe there are a lot of very naturalistic people, but I think of more sort of, like, when I think of music theater, I think of more performative, kind of, more whatever. And she's just so just light as a feather and just barely touches everything. And she's just so captivating. It's her phrasing. Her phrasing. Her phrasing yeah. Phrasing, and, yeah I, it was so. I have a question. Like, cause like without a drone, it's like at that time would like somebody just be hanging out the side of an airplane with a camera. Like I was trying to figure out how they would do that. <laughs> and they don't blow. It's, it's not a helicopter. Cause they don't blow the shit out of her. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, where's the wind from whatever we're in. Well, oh, there yes. is a cut is there, isn't there? Because she, yeah, she comes a- up and she and it's far away, so it must be a it must be a chopper, and then it cuts just as she goes. Yeah, into you want it gets really it's close. Really, the way I remember it is like she turns around and then she just sings, but there is that cut, and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. okay. Well, they're, they're cheating a little bit, but and now but we're still there. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is the it's it's like the equivalent of when. Um, Omar Sharif comes over the horizon in uh, yeah. in Lawrence of Arabia. It's like that moment is always deeply satisfying. Yeah. So, how old were you when you first saw it? I mean, I'm sure she was propping me up when I was, you know, two years old or three years old. Like, <laughs> whatever, you know. There's six kids. Just watch something. You know, be quiet. But, but and she's was- like, "Let me find the longest film I can, <laughs> so they'll be quiet." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, like, you know, well, tonight you can go to bed at eleven o'clock when this movie is finally over. But, but I don't know. I, I it was just it was appointment television. We watched it every single year up until mm-hmm. I, you know left for college i'm sure you know would sit on that we had the, like a, the glass coffee table and so and then you would try to get like the orange blanket and the pillow so you could sit closest to the tv and watch it i don't know just <laughs> but i like to be on the couch next to mom with a hand down the pants i'm the mama's girl too. i can't help it <laughs> i have a confession to make because i thought i am so familiar with this film and so familiar with you know, the kind of uh, piss takes of it when I was growing up in the UK. And 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 I really thought I had seen this film a lot of times. I have <laughs> never seen this film from the start <laughs> to the finish until yesterday. And I was like, I'm 52 now. I was like, why didn't anyone tell me how good this film was? It's absolutely delightful. And Bridget, what you were saying earlier about the there's the something you're kind of implying this there's, there's a humanity in it and a warmth and uh, the the kind of the worst of people in the old Nazi references and but also the best of 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 people in it and what I love about the film particularly is just the cleverness of the wordplay. I think the the score is fabulous, but the humor and wit in the book. And also the um, the as we were saying the kind of naturalistic acting of of Dame Julie and also Christopher Plummer they just I could just watch them for hours and in oh fact you have to They're, to get to the end of the film but the, yeah. he's just he is so incredible in this film like he the way he starts and I don't know but I I want to agree with you about the humanity of it and like and watching it now is like somebody who's made a TV show. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience like in the writer's room and whatnot, but it's so thoughtful in the way that it lays out the story. I really like watching it again with this new kind of um, 
perspective of thinking about how to put something together other than just reacting to how it feels, you know? When I was in show choir, I think I, you know, or I, I, I was in the sound of music in high school and I played Sister Berta and, you know, how do you solve a problem like Maria? And then like, I remember like, I would always go, go around, how do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? Like, I mean, who comes up with that? That's so, I mean, it, but it's, it's her. It's, yes. It's such a perfect scripter of her. And, yes. and, and it really sets her character up so well and. I don't know. It's just really fun to think about it and with this new perspective, I guess. Let's talk about Christopher Plummer for a second. We were talking about him, but you know, he didn't like this movie at all when he did it. I don't think he still doesn't like it. And he called it the sound of mucus. That's <laughs> He said that in an interview, I think on television or something. It was, I'm sure that all the, all the marketing people were like, Oh but uh you know but because he thought what because he thought it was too kind of sweet i think he was above it in his in his art his sense of art in the world you know and but i think a a lot of people feel that way a lot of people feel above it which is too bad because yeah it endures for a reason christopher Plummer. yeah exactly (laughs) you're a large part of that well what is that reason do you think why why is it why is it such a favorite I mean, I just think it shows the best in people like, and, and, and people make fun of musicals. And I, and I think that that's too bad. It's like when I started performing and I was the singer, like around all the comics, you know, it's like, ah, she sings. And I'm like, so (laughs) (laughs) you like Joni Mitchell sings, you like her. What's wrong with like singing and making people laugh at the same time? What's why what's wrong? (laughs) But there's like the same tune. It's like something I sometimes feel about, uh, my television show, it's like, it's, it's like not cool. It's like a sweet thing. And sometimes sweet things are looked down on or like simple things are looked down on. There's nothing simple about the sound of music. It's a lot of construction and a lot of very smart people that put together a beautiful mm-hmm. story, but, but the themes are simple. It's love again. And it's not about cool shots. Even though there's that cool shot shot to start. It's about people and their heart and, being true to themselves, being true to themselves and like being truthful. Like when, like when he, I wish that somebody would be that honest with me. Like he was with the Baroness. Like he's, he's just like, he's like, we're not being honest with each other. I'm not being honest with you. And it's not fair. And I'm like, why doesn't anybody like that? That's, <laughs> but, but then he's also, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, that I guess I kind of respond to and a lot of people probably respond to is like, you have the sort of the stoic withholding father and you're like, what's it going to take to make this man love me? And like, and then he, he learns to love through, through, you know, Fräulein Maria and his, and music. And I don't know. It's just a beautiful. I think you, you, you watch this film differently as you age too. the scenes that mean yes. so much. I mean, I remember I have confidence. That whole number meant a lot to me, you know, like you're getting the nerve, go out of the convent. I, I understood that young, but I remember when it always got to the climb every mountain number, I was just like, Oh, that old nun is singing again. You know, it's like, no, I want to have see kids playing. I want to see some, you know, fighting and stuff. I want to like, but, but then it's like, Oh, then later on you see like, Oh my God, that's this powerful song because I'm at that point in my life you know it's like that's yeah what, absolutely and i i wanted to i wouldn't just mention that that climb every mountain because i was involved in a film 
called The Pervert's Guide to Ideology, directed by, it was, a, it was a, like an essay film directed by Sophie Fiennes. And it was the, the philosopher, stay with me, it was the philosopher <laughs> Slavoj Žižek, who's a communist philosopher. And he, oh, her. Uh, him. <laughs> uh, no, him, okay. <laughs> and basically this film was looking at Hollywood movies and, and, and as an, illustration of ideologies around the world. So Sound of Music, he saw the Sound of Music when he was growing up in communist Yugoslavia. And the bit that they censored was Climb Every Mountain because it was about the promise of religion, about the promise of Catholicism, which, and he, his, his uh, kind of logline for the film was, a nun who is too full of energy, too full of sexual energy to be constrained enough to be a nun. That's what he thinks the film about is about. And what that song is about is, you know, she goes back to the Reverend Mother and says she's maybe fallen in love with this guy, Baron von Trapp. And the Reverend Mother is like, in... To, to encapsulate it, oh, you know what? Fuck it, go back, seduce him, yeah. and it'll be fine. <laughs> and that it. was threatening to the kind of communist regime because Catholicism is kind of saying it's not so much about renouncing all those pleasures. If you confess or if you just kind of pretend to be sorry about that, you can actually have it all. You can have the pleasure. And the, the Yugoslavian regime found that threatening. So that's the only bit they censored in the film. It's climb every mountain. That's so interesting. It's, 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 I have no idea whether that holds up, but there is something about, especially that scene with the nuns and all the duty and the constraint and it's, it's beautiful, but it's, there's also something else going on underneath it. It's kind of sexy. Those <laughs> nuns singing together and being able to express their, you know, bigger emotions in that sense so I don't I don't know and Bridget you you took you very discreetly modestly are mentioning your show which yes. um, as we said is somebody somewhere which is brimming with humanity and also includes for, for me includes religion in a way that is not which is unusual in most of kind of mass entertainment religion is something to be laughed at or it's something sinister this is part of as I read it, religion and church is something that's part of a community and 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 people take it or or leave it. But there is anyway, I don't know what I'm saying except I bloody love somebody somewhere. I'm glad you brought up the religious aspect. The thing is like when we were d- discussing like the character of Joel, who plays Sam, my character's best friend, you know, we we brought up religion and I was like, well, I would have a problem with that. So like, I don't think you should have religion and Carolyn's or, you know, be religious. And Carolyn Strauss is like, well, that's why we should do it. And it's, I think it's been a really great thing. And like, we try not to make the sister bitchy for bitchy's sake. We try not to make, like, we wanted to have like, and then we talked about him being religious. We wanted it to, for him to have like a fulfilling, you know, lovely relationship with religion that maybe Sam doesn't understand. And when I watch sound and music it's I hadn't really thought about it this way before but like I grew up not liking religion and those I didn't like going to church a lot of my friends you know because I always felt like I was a little bit of an outsider in my hometown even though I had a lot of friends and was popular but I didn't like really like there was a lot of people that went to church and there was a lot of talk about Jesus and all these sorts of things and that really didn't interest me I didn't I sort of didn't understand it essentially um but watching the sound of music 
oddly enough, I had an appreciation for how the Reverend Mother was and like sort of unexpected, right? Like not everybody, like I have a lot of prejudgment about religion and in, in the sound of music, I'm kind of proved wrong, right? Like they sort of keep saving the day. Like she sends Maria back to, she basically tells her to follow her heart. And like, it's kind of not what I was expecting as a viewer, not as a kid, not now. And then later again, you know, I love, I don't think it's a spoiler. I'm sure most people, you know, have seen the movie by now, but like when they go, you know, protected or saved by the nuns or whatever, you know, like, and then the, you know, they slip out, I don't know, the catalytic converter or whatever they took out of the car. I don't know what they <laughs> took out. So the Nazis could chase them by. But like, I always think of religion as like very, sure, it's like love thy neighbor and all that stuff. But I also think of it as kind of judgmental. And in our show, we didn't want Joel to be judgmental. We wanted him to love his church. And funnily enough, when we cast Jeff Hiller, who plays Joel, he has a history with religion and religion and church, his was his safe space growing up, which is kind of, cause he grew up in a smaller, you know, he grew up in the South or in, in Texas. And I don't know, I just thought that was really interesting. So obviously he was like born to play the part, but, right. but um, I've learned a lot about religion through doing this show and sort of my own judgments. And I don't know. But with that, it's really, it's really interesting to hear you, hear you talk about that because I think I was trying to think, why do I love your show so much and it's almost like it's something that I think we once had as a society which perhaps we've lost and but seeing it on screen means there's hope for getting it back which is about living with difference and that there are it's exactly what you're saying about religion it's not that you necessarily agree with everything that everybody does and thinks but this there's this sense of community and you're in something together even if it's just proximity but so much of our lives now are spent kind of defending our side and it being us against them and and that any kind of misspoken word is piled on it's so harsh the way we are living with each other at the moment and that there's something in your show that shows what's what's possible and what what kind of what a bit like the sound of music that it 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 shows the best in people but not in an ostentatious hero way or a good has to vanquish evil it's like this is who we are in all our kind of quirky wonderful messiness and what a powerful thing it is when you can find community and find family it's so special well i i think that a lot of that comes from, at least for me and our show, um, you know, when I was living in New York and off at college, like I sort of stopped going home. I sort of lost interest in kind of my, my family, the people that live there. Cause again, I felt like that's small town and I'm, I feel suffocated when I go there, but as I've gotten older and especially coming back to the show, I've spent more time with my oldest brother, Brad, who still lives there and my other siblings. Cause we were doing this family zoom when my mom went into a home. And so we've really kind of, I've been like coming home as I've been doing this show essentially. Right. And, wow. and my brother, Brad is, you know, somebody, he, he, he just lost his wife um, not too long ago or maybe a year, year and a half ago or something. And the only reason I'm mentioning that is because we were doing the show at the same time as his wife was really sick, but we, we kind of needed help with certain things. Like, and he was like, 
just always getting it done, you know, like always doing something for us, always going out to get like a waiver, going down to talk to city council to see if they would do this, calling the, calling the newspaper to tell them that, you know, we need help with Bridget for this. My point being is he, it was so much about family and community. He's so much about those things. And like my friend texted me the other day, who's still my best friend, Stephanie from my hometown. And she said, you know, I just got a text message from your brother and um, you know, he's trying to help these uh, Afghani refugees that were, that are in my hometown. And I was like, so blown away because he's very conservative, but he is, but above all of that, he is about community and family. And I am so moved by that. And I think that I'm just so surprised that like, I'm see, he does things that just sort of seem like a, a lot of work, but he's doing them because he, he wants the world to be a better place in his way. Right. And so it's made me really appreciate the value of community, what your friends mean to you, because I've, I'm like a shut in. I don't, you know, I like sort of <laughs> isolate, but it's just a great reminder of there are different people and you don't always see eye to eye, but if you put community and your family first, you're going to be better. And I, I don't right. know, that sounds so cheesy, but I think it's really, it's really true. And I think that there's a lot of that in our show and it comes from my brother, oddly enough. He's doing that for you, but then the show is doing this for how many people, how many people watch this show? Maybe 10,000. I don't know. I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's more, be more than that. It has it's to be more. It's more than that. It's more than that. <laughs> but it's, it is such a refreshing take on everything on life and the way it, well, I love the way it plays with others in society. And instead of you telling us why they're that way or explaining everybody, they're just there and you get to see them in this microcosm of a small town, which makes it more intense in some ways, but, but. It's just so refreshing, and I think it's kind of so groundbreaking. I don't. I hope people start to realize it for that. That it's a really a groundbreaking show. There's not. I think they have already. Well, thank you. I mean, I just want to stay on the air, you know. Make <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I think like it was like important to us to, like, just show a slice of life, right? And and like and and sometimes you'll see somebody that like looks at you sideways or whatever. I mean, it's you know. But, you know, we really try not to, like, look down on the Midwest. I'm from there, right? My brother still lives there. My mom was living there at the time that she passed away. You know, I have family there, and I, I want them to feel well represented. Um, but you also kind of have to be honest about what goes on. And there are some kind of limitations and things. But I don't know. I I am I'm very proud of it. And I'm glad people are, you know, discovering the show more and more you know, this year than, than last year, but I've, I've turned so many people onto it and, you know, I, that's been, been my job for what, 30 years, turning people onto other people's work. And, and it, this never, then I have those things that are always the sure things I have movies that have been in my life. The sure thing, this film is a short, I mean, this TV show is a sure thing. Anybody I can get to sit down and watch it becomes a believer in it. And that's, it's a slow burn, but it's a good way to build something. So I think, you know, it's it's a good way to be, although, you know, it's not flashy, maybe coming out of the yeah, can. But, you know, but, but life happens like, you know, I like when I watch the TV shows and they're moving so fast and you're kind of like keeping up with the characters in the lesson, you have to go back and like, what just happened and blah, 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 blah. I sort of like the pace of our show as, a, as, a, as an antidote to some of that because we like it that things kind of happen in a slower. Yeah, like life. 
like life. Like it yeah. feels like it unfolds like life. And I was very nervous that people would sort of get bored or tune out because there's not like a lot of plot and like whatever. But but, but that's why are, that's what I love about it that I'm not when I tune in to each episode, I'm not thinking what's going to happen. I'm thinking how is everyone, and it's a oh, different <laughs> it's a different proposition. I just want to hang out with everyone. But it, it would be if you're leading this cast, but if, if any if there were any weak notes in it at all, everybody is so good and you are so good of an, as an actress in this, the, the, the emotions that go across your face in a scene, it's like you get to breathe with you and it's, it's kind of phenomenal. It's more courageous. And I think you even, you even know, I think with us watching it, there's such courage in these scenes that. Yeah, Bridget, we know more about your show than yeah, you Yeah, we know more about you Whoa. and your show than you do. <laughs> it's better that I don't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, because, to, speaking of... Um, speaking of Sound of Music. Speaking yeah, of exactly. seeing yourself in, a, in your show, I just wonder if there's a character in The Sound of Music that you relate to or that you love most. Uh, it's it's like been a, a, a sort of a moving target, you know, because when I was, I'm the youngest of six kids, you know, so I was sort of like, Gretel, whatever, and like when she's like, so the farewell, and like, and then I can't remember her line at the end. Um, the sun has gone to, to bed, bed so much high. <laughs> and then, and then you know they come, they pick her up, and they all walk up the stairs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that would that would have been me when I was little. And then they walk up, and they're all like, goodbye. And then the, and, the, and then the people at the party are like, goodbye. <laughs> it's so theatrical but it's also just so beautiful i me. gasped um, i gasped when those are when the when the, when po- the adults are, i just like <laughs> <gasps> it's lovely like i know it seems silly but i just think it's so lovely and the you know whatever chord they did there i was like oh. <laughs> um but I, I don't know you get i sort of like walked my way up and there's like brigitte my name is bridget you know so i was like oh, right. i related to her for a minute and then like you just get older and we're and gonna be then, reverend mother at one point aren't we uh, exactly. <laughs> well, I auditioned for the Reverend Mother, and I did not get that part. And Kissel did, and I was like, ah. Uh-huh. But she, she, she had a really beautiful voice, and I was like, funny. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll be the wacky nun here. This is <laughs> yeah. my lot in life, just to be the wacky one on the side. But <laughs> there's a chain of events that would have meant if you'd got Reverend Mother instead of the instead of Sister Berta or whatever, then you wouldn't have made somebody somewhere. I wouldn't have an HBO show. That's for sure. It's probably true though. It would have satisfied every urge. You would have gone into life and that would have been the high point of your life. Striving (laughs) for nothing, nothing more. And then where would we be? Yeah. Yeah. And in high school, like I kept just like getting, not getting the parts and college, not getting the parts, but that, that, that helped, you know, with tenacity. Cause like, I was like, well, Okay, I'm in my 40s now. Am I getting the part yet? And then finally, I, I got the part, and it's on HBO. So at least you know that's Absolutely. a good place to land. Okay, I'm going to try and make another segue. Okay. Um, talking about not getting the part, uh, I don't know if it's going to work. We have another clip. Let's see if that segue works. Okay. Cooper, do you want to set it up? It's this the, is the the dad comes home with the Baroness, and to show off his kids, and they're not the same <gasps> yes. kids. As he left, um, they're, they've been changed by Maria. That's what you, get. You, you leave for a month, Daddy. This yeah. is what happens. Hit the track. Yeah. <laughs>
This is Baroness Schrader. And these are my children. How do you do? Oh, oh my yeah. God. So you know, much. Watching it again, I was like, what I watched again say is like, he's like, he's very like subtly funny in this movie. Holding the little um, headscarf in his hand to do that scene. I mean, it's, one of the things to talk about is. The father who we like, but he lines his children up and blows a whistle in a pretty fascisty kind of well. He's a captain. Way he is the captain. That's kind of the point. He wants to run everything like military. That's his strength in life, right? But it's yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. pretty. It's not but, pretty. But but, but you very quickly learn that he is doing it because he's in pain, right? Right? He's. He's seeking order. He is like doing something familiar because he's just trying to keep himself together. Yes. Because he's lost his wife and now it's like just sort of easier. That's the way I feel mm-hmm. when I watch it. Right. But, no, um, that's that's true. That's true, of course. And and the film doesn't allow you to go that long before it tells you that's why he's doing this weird, this weird behavior. He's not an evil, he's not the villain in this. The Nazis are the villain, of course, you know. No, um, but his, I mean, his pain is also, could potentially fuck up his children who oh, have yeah, to absolutely. jump to attention, line up, and have, yeah. be, have a whistle blown. But that's where we fall in love with uh, Maria, isn't it? Where she tells him she will not respond to a whistle and she undermines yeah. his authority. Well, you know, with the way when she goes after him, like when, you know, just shortly after this, you know, you sort of need him to do this so she can, you can see. yes why she's wonderful yes because she's got it she has to tell him she's so impulsive that she has to tell him what he's missing and how he's missing it from his kids and it's you know i i just love that and the way that she goes after him and she won't stop and you're like oh he's gonna shut her down and and, and he can't shut her down yeah, let's, and i was like yeah let's get him. that clip let we have that clip too i want to see that can we watch that clip too you guys like because yeah this is like the big scene in the movie really this is I love this scene so much. Drink. They still have plenty of wear left. The children have been everywhere in them. Do you mean to tell me that my children have been roaming about Salzburg dressed up in nothing but some old drapes? Mm-hmm. And having a marvelous time. They have uniforms. Oh, straight jackets, if you'll forgive me. I will not forgive you for that. Children cannot do all the things they're supposed to do if they have to worry about spoiling their precious clothes. Or the... Well, they wouldn't dare. They love you too much. 
They fear you too I don't much. wish you to discuss my children in this manner. Well, you've got to hear from someone. You're never home long enough I to said know I said I don't want to hear any more from you about I my children. I know you don't, but you've got to. Now, take Liesel. You'll not say she one word about Liesel. She's not a child anymore. One of these Fräulein. days you're going to wake up and find she's a woman. You won't even know her. And Friedrich, he's a boy, but he wants to be a man like you, and there's no one to show him Don't how. Don't you dare tell me about my son. Brigitte could tell you about him if you'd let her get close to you. She notices everything. And Kurt pretends Fräulein. he's tough not to show how hurt he is when you brush him aside. That'll do. The way you do all of them. Louise, I don't I know about yet, but someone do. has to find out about her, and the little ones just want to be loved. Oh, please, Captain, love them, love them I all. I don't care to hear anything further from you I about am my not children. I finished yet, Oh, Captain. yes, you are, Captain. Fräulein. Now, you will pack your things this minute and return to the Abbey. What's that? It's singing. Yes, I realize it's singing, but who is singing? The children. You know when that music starts? <laughs> I know. When they start singing, so it just kills me. It's like, he's like seeing the change, like what she's done. And like, it's that moment. I'm certain that he fell in love with her. Like when he hears that music, that's what I think. It's so hard to, you know, a lot of times we go like see a Broadway musical now or something. It's like, blah, blah, blah. And here's the song, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. when you can sort of just have the music feel like the fabric of life, like they just did there, like it, to make that still feel believable. And then you go in and there's a sort of dutifully there singing for her. I mean, and we're it's so just, proud of them. Yes, yes, it's really. <laughs> and oh we're God, in on the secret. Said. We're in on the secret, which isn't always in movies because yes. we hear it and we know exactly what it is. And he's yes. like, "What's what's what's that?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then Did you when, ever play Captain Von Trapp, Cooper? Because that was really good. Okay, well, <laughs> now we can cut this out. No, I did not. I never did that show. I did many shows. But at Outfest, um, we did um, The Sound of Music in the parade, in the Gay Pride Parade. And we all dressed up as characters. And everybody wanted to play a young Nazi because all the guys wanted to wear shorts, you know, and like, oh, of course. And like, I was like, the, not the most muscular guy. So I had to play, nobody wanted to play. I played the Baroness <laughs> and walked all the way down Hollywood, um, Santa Monica Boulevard, dressed as the Baroness with, you know. <laughs> on the arm of Stephen Raphael, who's now a big PR person, he played um, Max. And so the two of us, you know. Oh my God, amazing. I know. This, I'm learning so much doing these conversations, uh, mainly about you, Cooper. That's well, awesome. The shit I've done, oh, you know. Yeah. The shit I've oh done. Oh my God. Um, oh, that was beautiful. I remember, and I was director of the festival then. And everybody's like, <laughs> who are we going to get to play the Baroness? He was like, all right, I'll do it. Show me the dress. <laughs> if I can get into it, I will do it. And of course, it zipped up the back. It's like, Tum. yeah. I walked, oh, whole, I walked the whole thing in high heels too. You know, oh my God. I, I don't think I'd ever been in drag before either. That was just like, what the hell? Yeah, it's a highlight of my life. Good, but do you have a do you have a drag name? I do. What is it? Um, Helen Back. <laughs> But she is ugly as hell. I just not, don't make a pretty woman. The Baroness is not pretty in our version either. Because, and she smokes a lot and drinks a lot. You know, it's like the prop of a martini glass and a, and a cigarette. I, you know, well, I do drink martinis, but I don't smoke. So, 
See, this 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 movie lives in all of us. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> okay, I think it is time to transition to our yeah. lightning round. How about you, Cooper? Yes, yes. We we this is something we do the lightning round, and oh you have God, the so you have stressful. the first. No, this is it's gonna be easy for you. Okay, um, I'm gonna. I want to go with my question first because yes. because one never knows what the answer might be. Pritchett Everett, what is the most what is the weirdest thing that has ever happened to you in a cinema? Oh boy, that's supposed to be a lightning round. I don't know. I wet my pants. <laughs> Did you wear your pants? Oh yeah, you know I, I got that uh, Everett that Everett family bladder. You know I laugh and all bets are off. <laughs> what was the fi- we could have a whole spin-off series? What was the film that blew your bladder? <laughs> yes. Well, I can't say because it was recent enough. And they're, you know, like the kind of place where you go and you're invited to like a thing and you're laughing and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to get out my sofa, which is sweater over fat ass. And you just like grab something to tie around the back of you and just like, I don't think I'm going to make it to the after party. You guys go. You have fun. No, I, I got to go walk my dog. And then the truth is, is just that uh, I can't, I can't hold my TT. Next question. <laughs> that one's perfect. Uh, okay, but you already told, our, and you can explain it a little more now. But like, was there another film that you thought of besides this one? Was there another one that was kind of running? Yeah, I, well, I was thinking of Rudy, and I was like, oh, I'm sure you guys are talking to people. And it's like Serpico and like whatever. You, you know, would like, be surprised, like smart actually. People movies. <laughs> no, no. you'd I'm be like, surprised. Like I gotta stay true to myself. I'm like I'm not a I'm not a complicated woman. Um, I gotta do things that I. But you know, like I love the Rudy and the themes of it, and just like you know. Wait, wait, wait. Like, for oh. for people who I'm speaking on behalf of other people, not me, obviously. For people who don't know what Rudy is, Ruby, what is that? Rudy is. Rudy. Rudy is. Um, it's uh, Sean Astin plays Rudy Rudiger, um, who wants to go to Notre Dame to play football, but he's like five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. Uh, that's, uh, that's a line from the movie. Um, but it's it's about you know it's a, an underdog story, and uh, it's one of those where I was like, I'm not gonna go see that fucking movie, and then I saw it, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, pick me up off the floor. And I was, you know, the other thing I was like, oh maybe I could do Dancer in the Dark, you know. Because I love that movie and I cried so hard when I saw that I like popped blood vessels in my face. I'm like, I'm not really smart enough to talk about the movie. I just want to talk about something a little more simple, like me, that I have a, a, a more loving relationship with. And those are two of my uh, my highlights. Oh, I love that. Love that. Okay. Third question. I can't decide whether to ask you, what is your car- what is your karaoke song or what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? So you can choose. Well, I think the best piece of advice I ever received was from, I'm just going to drop a name here, um, Adam Horowitz, a.k.a. Adrock from the Beastie Boys. Um, I was, start, he's, you know, he had been in my band at the time. He's like, you know, I wanted to write songs. He, he, he thought I should write original songs. And I was like, I don't know if I can. And then I was out playing catch with my friends. Murray and, and Neil Medlin, Murray Hill, Neil Medlin. And I was shagging balls and I just started thinking about different kinds of tits. And I was like, you got them so them so them titties. Anyway, I, I told Adam my idea and I was like, this is, this is silly, right? And he's like, nah, that sounds like a hit. And, and then I was like, I don't know. I just seem so, he's like, he's like, do you? And like, 
I just think that the, the words do you, and I think that that he, he's like, Oh, you know, so-and-so says that. And I was like, okay, but it's so simple, but it is all that matters. Do that, you, like, and that is it. what Reverend Mother tells that's Maria. what I'm saying. We're bringing it back to the yes. Reverend Mother. <laughs> do you? Do you? Also, oh, and do the Baron as well. But do you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> oh, that's that's a great piece of advice. I'm going to sneak in. Okay, so what's your karaoke song? What's the one that comes on and you get up and own Everybody's it? Uh, usually, piece of my heart, or you ought to know. And if I am at a karaoke bar and it's like a karaoke place that I like to go to, and they let somebody else sing that song then I will demand the microphone right after and say, now let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. Because I don't know. karaoke is nothing if not a competition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Cooper, I don't know how you feel, but I feel, even though I didn't think it was possible, I love Bridget Everett even more than I thought I would. What's your sense? Absolutely. I, I, I love her. She, you know, I met you in backstage at you. We talked to you into doing the award show when you were there for Patty Cakes, and you were wearing yeah, well, Sundance at the, the, bear, the yeah festival. Sundance, and it was the award show. And we always try to get somebody who's famous there to give the awards, and you were very a uh, good sport about that. But you're wearing your um, Manalo, you're wearing a Manalo <laughs> um, t-shirt. And, you know, these are my yeah. these are my Manalos. You were just like. <laughs> Shown it off, and I think I, I forced them to take. A, I, I never did this at Sundance either. It's like I need a picture with her. Can we just make that happen? Because <laughs> I was too embarrassed to ever do that at, at Sundance. Because you know you had to be so cool everywhere. It's like no, I need picture. With Sundance her, was with, so cool, but I'm not cool. So you you can if you if you have somebody that's wearing two mantelo on their mantelos on their tits, I think you know. The, did you? The answer is always going to be yes to a picture. Did yeah. you have um? Two manilos on each tit or one manilo per tit? One per tit. My one friend, per tit. L- my friend Larry, who um, Larry Crone, he makes all my uh, a lot of my all my stage wear and then also some clothes. But he he made these like he takes these shirts and like sews them together. And he took like a bunch of manilo shirts and made me like a a super fanilo tube top. You know, so it's like cut off and like so. When I was getting ready, I was in there with like. I was there for for two movies that year. I, this is the only time I've ever been. It was for two movies. But anyway. All right. Now we're nice to show off. One of them was this movie, Fun Mom Dinner. And I was in it with like all these people that had like oh, been, right. Right. you know, they'd been to Sundance many times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you wear? And I was like, how about this Mandalow tube top? That'll do. Yeah, wear that. <laughs> in the snow. That's, that's good for yeah, the, snow. the snow. Yeah, just put some boots on and a, and a parka and call it a day. Okay. See, I, I thought that T-shirt was something you bought in like in the lobby where they're selling T-shirts. Okay, who's Who are they marketing this to? <laughs> no, no, you, you can't buy that. You can't that buy is that a tube kind. top. And I have baby. a picture of me with Barry Manilow wearing my Manilow tube top. I'm going to no. get – I'm going to do a Bridget Everett tube top. On, oh my, my on our next podcast, I'm going to find this and I'm going to do a Bridget Everett tube top. I want one of those. For me. Yes, we'll make yeah. it. Okay, we'll have matching, matching Everett's. Next time, next time you're in the parade and nobody wants to play. <laughs> the Baroness know. is like. The Baroness. A different take on the Baroness. <laughs> um, Bridget Everett, thank you so yes, much you. for doing the film that blew your mind. It's been such thank a joy you. talking to you. Thank you for having me. 
This interview was recorded prior to the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. We proudly support the people who work to create these stories and bring them to the screen. If you'd like to share the film that blew your mind, send us an email to stories at thefilmthatblewmymind.com. The Film That Blew My Mind is hosted by me, John Cooper. And me, Tabitha Jackson. Our executive producer is Jessica Buzzard. The show is produced by Goat Rodeo, and to find more of their work, go to goatrodeodc.com. Executive producers at Goat Rodeo are Megan Nadalski and Ian Enright. Creative producers are Max Johnston, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Rebecca Seidel, and Jay Venables. Mixing and engineering by Rebecca Seidel. Intro music from Wayne Jones. Marketing and publicity by Stephen Raphael at Required Viewing. Graphics by Lee Fenvis. Special thanks to Trevor Groth, Kirsten Chalker, John Nine, and especially Christine Buzzard. Also to all our friends and family who put up with us and our crazy projects. Aww. If you like this episode, why don't you subscribe to stay up to date on new ones? And maybe leave us a rating and a review. Oh, and if you have any left, tell your friends. <laughs>